October 16th. And now, as we turn our attention to the New Testament, our reading today will be in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. We'll see that uh, the work in Ephesus was not easy, and Timothy wanted a new assignment. But Paul urged him to stay where he was and get the job done. The next time you want to abandon your assigned place, well, consider the arguments Paul gave Timothy for staying where he was. Stay at your post. God will empower you as you pray. Stay there for the work's sake. What Paul warned the Ephesian elders about had come true. False teachers were in the church. The pastor's job is to warn them and teach the people the truth. If he abandoned the flock, Timothy would be a hireling and not a shepherd. And do it for the Lord's sake. Jesus died to save sinners, and he lives to equip and enable his servants to do the work of the ministry. The same God who empowered Paul could empower Timothy and can empower us today because God is faithful. And do it for our own sake. You see, God had equipped Timothy, called him, and gave him a solemn charge. There was a battle to fight, and he dare not run away. If we flee the post of duty, we rob ourselves of opportunities to grow, to serve, and to glorify God. When the winds of adversity blow, set your sails in the right direction, and let Christ handle the rudder. Otherwise, you may be shipwrecked. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. October 16th, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. This letter is from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God our Savior and by Christ Jesus our hope. It is written to Timothy, my true child in the faith. May God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. When I left for Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those who are teaching wrong doctrine. Don't let people waste time in endless speculation over myths and spiritual pedigrees. For these things only cause arguments. They don't help people live a life of faith in God. The purpose of my instruction is that all the Christians there would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and sincere faith. But some teachers have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and spend their time arguing and talking foolishness. They want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, but they don't know what they are talking about, even though they seem so confident. We know these laws are good when they are used as God intended, but they were not made for people who do what is right. They are for people who are disobedient and rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful who consider nothing sacred and defile what is holy, who murder their father or mother or other people. These laws are for people who are sexually immoral, or homosexuals and slave traders, or liars and oath-breakers, and for those who do anything else that contradicts the right teaching that comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. How thankful I am to Christ Jesus our Lord, 
for considering me trustworthy and appointing me to serve him, even though I used to scoff at the name of Christ. I hunted down his people, harming them in every way I could. But God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how kind and gracious the Lord was! He filled me completely with faith and the love of Christ Jesus. This is a true saying, and everyone should believe it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I was the worst of them all. But that is why God had mercy on me, so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of His great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in Him and receive eternal life. Glory and honor to God for ever and ever. He is the eternal King, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. Amen. Timothy, my son, here are my instructions for you, based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. May they give you the confidence to fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling tightly to your faith in Christ, and always keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Hymenaeus and Alexander are two examples of this. I turned them over to Satan, so they would learn not to blaspheme God. Hebrews 9.22 Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. In other words, if Jesus Christ had not gone to the cross and shed his blood for your sins, you could never have forgiveness. You would be a lost soul. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. John the Baptist cried out, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Why did he call him a lamb? Because as a lamb, he was going to the cross. His blood was to be shed for your sins. He takes away the sins of the world. And that blood tonight can cleanse every sin you've ever committed. There's power in the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Do you want forgiveness tonight? Do you want forgiveness of every single sin? Because you see, you cannot get into heaven if you're guilty of a single sin when you get to the entrance of heaven. Every sin has to be forgiven. And there's no way for sin to be forgiven except by Jesus Christ's work on the cross. Now, blood, of course, is symbolic in the Bible. It means the life of Christ was given for us at the cross. And when he died on that cross and shed that blood, God accepted that sacrifice instead of you having to make a sacrifice. In other words, you won't have to spend a day at the judgment. You won't have to spend one day in hell. You will be forgiven as though you had never sinned by the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. 
The scripture says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, without blemish and without stain. One of the most popular songs a couple years ago was, Oh, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. And in Revelation 12 we read, They overcame how? By the blood of the Lamb. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Jesus paid the ransom. I read the other day about this Italian playboy that was kidnapped, and they're holding him right now for ransom for $16 million. And there's a popular song right now also that says, Don't pay the ransom. But if Jesus had not been willing to go to that cross and pay the ransom with his own blood, you couldn't be saved. You couldn't have forgiveness. And on the cross, God is saying something to all of us. He's saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I love you so much that I'm willing to see my only son die. The angels couldn't believe it. They pulled their swords. 72,000 of them ready to come and sweep this whole planet into oblivion and rescue the Son of God. But he never called them. He said, I came to do the will of my Father. He died and he shed his blood on that cross for you. And without the shedding of blood, you could not be forgiven. Psalm 86, verses 1 through 17. Preserve my life is the theme here in the first few verses. David was in trouble again. As he always did, he turned to the Lord for help. And he presented some reasons why God should answer him. God was his God, and he was God's servant. God was merciful, and he needed mercy. He wanted God alone to be glorified in the victory. God is good and great and ready to help. Unite my heart was another cry. We'll find here in verses 11 through 13. A divided heart leads only to instability because you cannot serve two masters. That's not a challenge. It's just a fact. With a single heart, fear the Lord, learn from the Lord, obey the Lord, and praise His name. And then David prays that God would strengthen my hand. This is in verses 14 through 17. We'll see... David's strength and experience were inadequate to face the foe. He needed the strength of the Lord. In his chapter-by-chapter Bible commentary, Warren Wiersbe says that David knew his theology, and that helped him in his praying. You see, the better you know God, the better you can approach Him with your needs. Psalm 86, verses 1-17 through 17, A Prayer of David Bend down, O Lord, and hear my prayer. Answer me, for I need your help. Protect me, for I am devoted to you. Save me, for I serve you and trust you. You are my God. Be merciful, O Lord, for I am calling on you constantly. Give me happiness, O Lord, for my life depends on you. O Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive so full of unfailing love for all who ask your aid. Listen closely to my prayer, O Lord. Hear my urgent cry. I will call to you whenever trouble strikes, and you will answer me. 
nowhere among the pagan gods. Is there a god like you, O Lord? There are no other miracles like yours. All the nations, and you made each one, will come and bow before you, Lord. They will praise your great and holy name. For you are great and perform great miracles. You alone are God. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your truth. Grant me purity of heart, that I may honor you. With all my heart I will praise you, O Lord, my God. I will give glory to your name forever. For your love for me is very great. You have rescued me from the depths of death. O God, insolent people rise up against me. Violent people are trying to kill me. And you mean nothing to them. But you, O Lord, are a merciful and gracious God, slow to get angry, full of unfailing love and truth. Look down and have mercy on me. Give strength to your servant. Yes, save me, for I am your servant. Send me a sign of your favor. Then those who hate me will be put to shame. For you, O Lord, help and comfort me. Proverbs 25, verse 17. Don't visit your neighbors too often, or you will wear out your welcome. Welcome.